0: Alright everybody, welcome to this week's learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran.
1: And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts.
0: Guys, this week we didn't read a book, we watched a movie. We watched Return to Me, um, which is a film from the year 2000 that was uh, directed and written by Bonnie Hunt and it starred Minnie Driver and David Duchovny.
1: Now, we got a recommendation for this movie, although uh, just recently, but we also had back, gosh, months ago, but who can remember? Could be a year. (laughs) We had a thread in the troupe, our Facebook troupe, that was, what is your, I think, favorite guilty pleasure rom-com sort of thing? Like a rom-com you like, but maybe isn't super acclaimed, in general and it was a great thread and so many great movies that i ended up watching and i think return to me ended up on that list as well Mm -hmm. because it's not a popular or well-known film
0: it's funny though how you have those movies that like stick out in your brain from when they came out in a way like i feel like i remember when this came out and i remember like the trailer and like jokes from the trailer when i was rewatching when i was like watching the movie last night um and so for me this movie is like a very like oh yeah return to me <laughs> but i get that like it didn't it wasn't a huge massive hit so
1: i think it's a i think though the people who like it really like it and i do mm-hmm. like you like you said i think if you're of a certain age it definitely was a preview before a lot of films you went and saw in the theater, or the trailer was on a lot of DVDs or VHSs that you rented. I think we we're, were we at DVDs at that point in two thousand. It's always hard to remember when that changed. I think by two thousand, I had a DVD player. Yes, I had they were to, really,
0: I, The DVDs were very expensive.
1: Yes, but. And yeah it's so funny dvds but yeah so so yeah so i definitely remember this i definitely remember this because this is a rom-com about a heart transplant which seems to be rmo uh because last christmas so we thought okay let's tackle this movie i had never seen this film had you seen it aaron
0: I had seen it, I think, like, in 2000. Like, I might have seen it in the theaters.
1: So, like, okay. Yeah.
0: But I, did, I didn't I did have a strong memory
1: for what it was about. Do you want me to, to recap it real fast?
0: Yeah, Clayton, what was Return to Me about?
1: Okay. So, Return to Me is about David Duchovny's character. I don't know the names of any of these characters. So, it's all going to be the actors. What's his name? Bob. Bob, okay. I can't believe I didn't remember that. It's so striking. <laughs> Bob is a successful architect, of course, yeah. l- living the in Chicago. The only
0: possible vocation for a rom-com actor based in the 90s was architect.
1: Well, it's so funny because I'm sitting here watching this movie and I'm thinking, why didn't I just become an architect? What is wrong with me? Why didn't I just go to school, go to, go to a college for architecture, something I have no real interest in and would mm-hmm. probably be bored shitless, and just become a successful urban architect and be loaded and have a leather couch, nice big walk-up uh, apartment somewhere why didn't I do that?
0: I like how in your dream you have a walk up.
1: Well, I don't want to live
0: in no elevator building.
1: <laughs> well, I like I mean, I, I, I'm kind of thinking like brownstone, yeah, like a brownstone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I would I would live, so live in an elevator yeah. building. But I occasionally think about that where I'm like, yeah, why didn't I just focus on something I hated but would make me a lot of money?
0: I don't know that you actually do make a lot of money as an architect. I think it's like everything. Like if you're the head of an architecture firm, I guess so. I worked in like interiors for a while and architecture seems like the hardest. It's all math, but also creative. I couldn't. I would look at plans and I'm like, this means nothing to me. I have no <laughs> sense of what this is going to end up like. Good luck. Good luck oh, to you.
1: Oh, I'd be a horrible architect.
0: Oh, all my buildings would fall down. immediately. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love how after the first building fell down, you would still get the opportunity to build more buildings.
0: They would also fall. Eventually, eventually the gig would be up. But for a while, my building would just be falling all around town. Oh, so you would have
1: done a bunch of them and they would have all stayed up just long enough to be able to do Mm -hmm. the next one and then the next one. And then like you said, it would be a domino effect. Yeah. That's really funny. So anyway... Duchovny successful architect or I guess he's like maybe he, he's like the did he design I guess did he design stuff or is he really just the guy who the foreman who's like do this do that do that
0: he does walk into the house carrying a 3d model at one stage which feels like an architect thing to do but also if you are an architect yeah you're not daily at a job site Which he seems to be, he spends a lot of time at the job site. So I don't really know. Maybe he's a foreman slash architect.
1: They have a pretty nice apartment, though, in Chicago, which.
0: Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Townhouse.
1: Yeah, the townhouse, which is great. And he's got a wife who works at the zoo, and she takes care of apes. And she works with David Allen Greer, who I love. And she is raising money for a new enclosure for an ape that she loves and they're at this fancy party she's looking lovely he he's looking good to he's a handsome striking man and their life is great then they get in a car accident she dies she's brain dead minnie driver is also in this film as a woman who needs a heart, Bonnie Hunt is her friend. Yeah. Really, really great friend who sits next to her during, you know, all this time where Minnie Driver needs this heart. Now, I am I guess we don't get to see it, but Minnie Driver's always been pretty fragile because she's always had a heart condition, and now it's gotten to the point where she is going to die if she doesn't get a heart. She's got a family that... Uh, well, a grandfather played by Carol O'Connor in his last role is- He
0: was great. He's, yeah.
1: Super protective over her. He he owns a an a Irish-Italian restaurant where he's the Irish side. And then Robert Loggia, I believe. Oh, is Robert Loggia just a friend?
0: I honestly thought that they were together as a couple. And I was like, oh, this was so progressive- <laughs> For, you know, 2000 to have these, like, older gay men just, like, run in an Irish-Italian restaurant together. And I I, thought it was really sweet. But then he introduces him at one stage as his brother-in-law. Yes. So then I was confused.
1: No, okay. So it is so – that is completely looking at this film through a 2021 viewpoint. Because at no point did I think that they were romantically involved at all no no old men when their wives die because there's four old men in this film that all hang out old men yeah Yeah. and and play poker at night after they close the restaurant at like 8 p.m and they (laughs) all lost their wives and so now they just hang out with each other but this movie does really nail how annoying old people are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like i like the scenes with the guys and the waitress who's who's up in years too but there could be less of that there could be a less of it oh my God. but i did yeah. like it and i love when they were fighting over what fucking old ass cd to play like it should be sinatra or Perry Como. it's like but i mean that's gonna be me and pat and be like no we should play the yeah yeah yeahs. oh play the strokes <laughs> So that's gonna happen to us, yeah. But so she needs a heart, and David Duchovny's wife dies in this car accident. But she still has a, she 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 just died, so this heart can now go into Mini Driver, and that's what happens. And then they kind of circle around each other, and then eventually meet, are drawn to each other, and we don't find out. Well, we know this, but David Tuchovny's character doesn't find out this information until 15 minutes before this movie ends.
0: The pace, uh, yeah, the pacing of this movie was
1: glacial, wild, right? Uh, So, also, Bonnie Hunt has this whole huge family. Her husband is Jim Belushi there's a lot of the side action there where they're trying to wrangle all these kids. And there's this scene where, uh, he's trying to put the kids to bed and he just goes over and pulls this like mat out from under the table. And there's like, like two or three sleeping kids on it. (laughs) And I was laughing. I'm not a huge Jim Belushi fan, I don't hate him like a lot of people seem to just knee jerk hate him. I don't know where that comes from. I I feel like he's he's so marginal. I don't want to say that he just there's nothing offensive about him to me. Some people are really offense uh, like think he is not as funny as his older brother was and all these things that people carry with them about him. I thought he was good in this in this part because he played. A, just like a, a husband, like a, a mm-hmm. funny, doofy kind of husband. him and Bonnie Hunt, it feels like obviously they have familiarity. so they played a really fun couple. and I enjoyed that part of it. But so that that there's a lot of side action, which if you listen to the the Flatshare episode in that that book, I really didn't like all the side characters. Here, mm-hmm. I like the side characters, but I could have taken less of them. You know what I mean? Agreed.
0: Yeah. I, I Like, the thing is, is, like, for a romance to be a rom- romance, there needs to be essential characters. And it did not feel like this was a romance because the focus was not on the two of them or their relationship. It was very... Yeah. Like I said before, the pacing of this film was bizarre. And there was so much time spent with her grandfather and his friends and her best friend and her whole family and all of these different side characters that it's like you never spent enough time with the main couple to watch them have a very serious relationship or to feel like these people really needed each other. And... Therefore, when he breaks up with her because she admits that like she has his wife's heart, you're kind of like, OK, well, yeah, it never seems like he has to make these big choices. um, And it's never explained why she doesn't tell him that she had a heart transplant either, because it's like she is in a family and surrounded by people who love her, who don't make her feel any kind of way about her heart transplant and so it's so confusing to me why she would, like, consistently lie about it.
1: Yeah. It, I the think, motivation
0: for everything was off.
1: I think the main thing was she was ashamed of the scar, mm-hmm. which was pretty minimal when you saw it. But right. obviously to her, it stood out. Like, I am not going to say get over it because I could understand how that could be. You know th- those those kind of things. Even if it's from an outside point of view, not it it doesn't it doesn't feel so prominent to her. It's everything. It's just like anytime she looks in the mirror, she sees that scar. Mm-hmm. It had a lot to do with that. It feels like is that she was ashamed of it. She felt self conscious about the scar. But like you said, the actual I got a heart transplant doesn't seem like. Uh, that big of a deal to to say to somebody who you just randomly met and so yeah it, it does and also it creates this situation that really like most of the time is not an issue until it becomes an issue at the very very end so you're taking this pretty high concept thing and not really doing anything with it until the very very end and it's right. it's funny so bonnie hunts brother is a a heart surgeon and i think she might have gotten this idea because he's a heart surgeon and the um like the staff in that the the hospital scene are like her actual brother and the staff i believe that's what i read mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. I think also Bonnie Hunt is a Chicago person, and I think she used a lot of Chicago actors and people she knew, which I always like. I think overall, even though this movie didn't do much with its premise, I actually really enjoyed it because it was a vibe that I liked being in. Because even when his wife dies, who... At the beginning of this movie, she is stunning. The way she shot, Mm -hmm. it just makes her look like the most beautiful wife you could ever have. Just like how she looks, but also how she is. So it's so idealized. And the fact that we can, I think I did at the very least, still root for Bob and Minnie Driver's character at the end is impressive because at first i was like i'm not gonna want him to be with anybody else this is crazy and then when it mm-hmm. eventually happens i feel like oh mini driver is sweet she's got such a loving family everybody nobody is mean in this movie and people genuinely care about each other and it doesn't come down to because she they don't have sex for the longest time Right. like he they're dating and it I, it's it feels like it's like months and they still haven't had sex and everybody's okay with it. It feels like you could never do a movie like that now because the the major conflict would be you, you, would be David Tennant's character talking to David Allen Greer's character and being like, I don't know man, she just doesn't want to fuck me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's sweet and it's like a sweet romance and it's not necessarily that I needed them to fuck, but it's like I needed them to like, I just didn't feel like they were physically that into each other.
1: So the chemistry you don't think was there between Minnie Driver and Dave Duchovny?
0: I don't think the chemistry was there, but I don't know that it's like, it's two actors that are obviously like very good actors and I like them both, but it's like, it's just strange to me. Like uh, I just never felt like we spent enough time with the two of them for me to believe, oh, this is a very real connection because they were always like being pushed together by her family or something else in a way that just like never felt super authentic. And I think it's like I think either you have the side character of. Her grandfather and his friends, or you have Bonnie Hunt and all of her and her family. I think both of those. It's just too much time spent away, and it's like obviously you need a per like each love interest to have a unique like in like life to themselves. But you but with both, it just made the movie so busy, and then there was so much to get through to get to the point of like okay now these people are together. And I think it's like they didn't meet for a very long time in the movie where it's like I think it's like you have him and his wife, you show how much in love they were. And I thought that was all really great. Like the first 10 minutes or so with Jolie Richardson is great. But then basically after she dies, we need like two scenes and then they meet. And then the crux of the story needs to be, like, should I tell him, should I not? And then the third act thing should be, like, him finding out and then having to deal with it. And it's just this weird thing that it felt so rushed at the end.
1: Yeah, they don't officially meet until an hour plus. So I think it was an hour and eight minutes. They don't acknowledge each other's existence. Because right. the, she's the waitress at the re- restaurant and he's with a horrible blind date set up that David Allen Greer set up for him. And yeah, so I felt that way too. I wanted them together sooner. I wanted the conflict to be sooner. Mm-hmm. But I think what happened, I don't know anything about how this movie was made. My assumption would be Bonnie Hunt sold this film on the concept which is widower falls in love with the with a woman who got his dead wife's heart. Which is a high concept, cool premise. And mm-hmm. then she thought, Well, I don't really want to do that. I wanna do <laughs> a movie that is slice has these slice of life moments that shows how married couples with a lot of kids actually are how older people are together, and those kind of things. That's her whole thing. She's this Midwestern slice of life sort of auteur. All her sitcoms have been about that, and I think she used whatever clout she had to do the movie she wanted to do, which is this long kind of sprawling slice of life thing with this tiny nugget of Oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and I, I think if you go into this movie thinking that it's going to lean very heavily on the heart stuff, it, it kind of doesn't.
0: It's not really a romantic
1: yeah. comedy. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, uh, even though it wasn't a romance, I mean technically it is, just because they do end up together. What did you think of the film? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy the movie? it? Yeah.
0: No, it dragged so much. I didn't enjoy it. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love it.
1: I think this is a film that you need to get down with the feel of it and let it kind of just go where it wants to go. And I think if you were looking for a a a strongly focused film it's not what it's 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 not that so this is I think a a really good film to put on when you're having a a a lazy day or you feel like people are just mean and then you put (laughs) on this and you see a you know woman who had a health problem but was supported by her friends and her family and was like loved like no other and a lonely type of guy who lost his wife who is taken in by this unit like i think it's really sweet that this guy when he could have been out gallivanting with David Allen Greer's like succession of women he's just bowling with this group of old people. And David Allen Gurek comes and he's like, what's with the... Why are you hanging out with all these old people? And he's just... I don't know. It's just nice. He just liked being around this loving unit. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was something really nice about that for me. But yeah, I, I do think it, it's, it doesn't take advantage of its premise as much as it should.
0: Well, and I also think it's like that's like a slice of life and everything that's fine but i think it's then i didn't think that it was Then it was too broad and it was too overly comedic in a way that it felt like um a sitcom not that i have anything against sitcoms but it wasn't also then grounded in real life or it wasn't grounded in a slice of life of like this was this is what it's like to be older this is what it's like to be in a massive family with like so many kids it just n- like n- there was no scene drawing me in and I feel like the parts that are like oh this is interesting like her with the ape or like the gorilla rec- like recognizing the heart when mini driver goes into the enclosure like that's all really interesting and none of that seemed to be explored. And it seemed like they just were trying to do so much and nothing was done well.
1: Yeah, it's funny because David Duchovny's character is at the zoo at the same time Minnie Driver is there with Bonnie Hunt and her kids. And we see a scene where Minnie Driver puts her hands up on the glass and the the gorilla does the same thing. And that's something that the gorilla only did for his dead wife. And it's a missed opportunity for him to see that and meet her there. That That's where they should have met, where he, he would have stopped and seen that and then thought, that only happened with my wife, and maybe go talk to her or something and be like, you know, have mm-hmm. that the conversation. Because... The fact that he never got to see that, that's such a powerful moment because only she, well, actually, you know what the thing is now that I'm saying that? I don't know if he ever saw that because only David Allen Greer, David Allen Greer was at the beginning where she did that and he said that gorilla only does that for you.
0: But I think it's like also it's like you could have assumed that he she would have said that to him or he would have witnessed that at some stage. Like he did seem very involved with her and her work in a way Mm -hmm. that was very sweet. And we see pictures of him with the gorilla and things like that. So it's like you're right. Had they met at that moment and had that spark, I think that would have changed things, too. And then when they meet at the restaurant, it's like, oh, it's you again. Sort of a thing that I think would have been really cute. You know, in Sleepless in Seattle, they don't meet famously until the last scene, but it still felt like they were driving towards each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess if this if this movie is not meant to be a romance, it's not meant to be a rom com. It's meant to be like a slice of life in Chicago with all these like disparate characters. Then like that's what it's about. I don't think that that is well done either. I don't. It, it, there's. Because even in those movies where it's like a slice of life or different scenes, they're all there's a thread that holds them together, and I don't feel like there was a thread holding them together, and I don't feel like even individually characters went from A to B at any stage, you know. Because well, I I think that's the thing with like these rom coms, even these like super high concept rom coms, you know, romance novels or films it's like yeah there's this weird big thing so it's like she has his wife's heart but then ultimately what the story needs to be about is about like people and overcoming obstacles themselves and there needs to be a wider story blown up for that and there just wasn't
1: and there's there's a bit of magical realism in it in that you know he's back at at his house post the accident Completely bloodied up, lying on the floor by the door, crying because he lost mm-hmm. his wife. And then the family's in the hospital waiting for Minnie Driver's heart to heart surgery to see if it's successful, and her heart starts beating. And he feels it. Like mm-hmm. he knows it's happening. And then when they walk by each other before they actually meet each other at the zoo. They don't meet at the zoo, but they meet at the restaurant later. But they accidentally, you know, they they happenstance walk by each other. She gets a feeling. uh, She just has this. She feels something because Mm -hmm. she's that heart is drawn to him. So there's that element. But that's actually never really explored either. Right. I mean, it's those a few moments where. This heart is these hearts are meant to be together. Which also kind of weirdly makes Minnie Driver's character not a person, just a carrier for this heart Mm -hmm. in that he is not really in love with her. He's in love with her heart, which is not her original heart. It's her, his wife's heart. So there is a little bit of weirdness there if you really think about it. Mm -hmm. Although I will say there's, see, there's things I liked about this movie a lot where She is, he's trying to get this big enclosure for the gorilla that his wife loved. And he's working really hard on it. And they're courting at the same time. And he's very focused on it. And she is okay with it. She never once is like, you need to stop talking about your dead wife. She's really Mm -hmm. supportive and understands how they'd been together for their pretty much their whole entire life. His, they, Him and uh, his wife got married very young. And I just liked the fact that she was okay with it. Now, if they were married for 20 years and he was still pining after his dead wife, then I think there's an issue there. But she was mm-hmm. like really sympathetic to the fact that this is something that is always going to be a part of their lives. Right. And then there was the scene where he... he uh, only gets takeout is his house is a mess cuz he just doesn't care and the dog would always wait for his wife at the door the dog doesn't want to leave the door cuz the dog doesn't realize or want to give up this this person that he loved and dickovney's trying to get the dog to come and eat in the kitchen and he's like i got you rice come eat in the kitchen come on He's, he's getting really upset, and he's like, just come into the kitchen and act like a normal person. <laughs> and I love that because he's talking to himself, right? He's saying, mm-hmm. you need to get over this too. You need to start being a normal person. And he's using the dog as an excuse to say these things to himself. And I thought that was such a great scene. And it's it flies by so fast that you don't realize it. But I immediately thought yeah that's that is it's so true he's looking at this dog and he's thinking that dog is me and what's my problem and I'm angry about this so I'm gonna get mad at this dog and then when the dog makes it halfway to the kitchen uh, Duchovny says it's good you made it halfway you made it halfway so he understands that it's gonna take some time for him and he's giving himself some love there I, I really love that and I, and I think those are the kind of things that are small that if you're not really paying attention to this movie, you miss. Mm -hmm. Now, can I ask, because this happens to me and this happens to the best of us, that if you're watching the movie with somebody who is not into it, it is very hard to be into something. Did the fact that, and I don't think Pat would be upset if I, if I uh, blow up his spot here, he did not like this movie. Mhm. And did he vocalize to you at any certain time where he said this movie stinks. Let's watch Goodfellas. Uh <laughs> Let's watch Midnight Run. Uh any of those sort of things.
0: Yeah, but also we don't have the same sense for movies for them. There's like very few movies that we agree on. So the idea of like watching a movie that he doesn't like and I love is um pretty yeah, I do, it didn't affect me. I mean, I was really bored before I started, like, paying attention to what he was doing. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, there's famously Practical Magic with you and him, tore to shreds, And it's still one of my favorite movies. So, yeah, it, that doesn't affect me that much. But, no, I mean, I was really bored <laughs>
1: on my own. But the key difference with Practical Magic is that is a movie you've seen multiple times <clears throat> right? and you'd already had a, a strong affinity for. So that's not going to move you from your spot. Yeah. Practical Magic is a hangout movie in a lot of ways. Like there's I, well, stuff Practical going on. Practical
0: Magic also isn't necessarily like held up as a rom-com. And I think it's like if you're looking at Practical Magic as a rom-com, it fails as a rom-com. But... It's not. It's It's just kind of the story of Sandra Bullock just, like, sort of coming into herself. And then she ends up with a man at the end. But that's not the goal of it. And, I mean, maybe that's the problem. I watched this thinking that it was a rom-com and it was not. And so maybe that's my fault, the, the expectations. But also it's, like, I feel like just the individual scenes of Practical Magic are so much fun in a way that, like, these individual scenes were, like, not
1: I mean, it is apples to oranges, though, because there's there's so much wacky shit that happens in Practical Magic.
0: Yeah. Magic. I think that's where I get frustrated sometimes where I see a movie where I'm like, oh, this could be such a better movie or this could have been elevated with like some pretty small tweaks that just didn't happen.
1: Yeah. Again, like that's my think thinking is I think. Don't think Bonnie Hunt made the film that people expected her to make with this concept, mm-hmm. and I think you can push against that, or you can kind of embrace it. And I so I don't think being bored is bad necessarily when you're watching something. And I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but I don't think you need to be stimulated consistently with a piece of content the way that we've all become acclimated to, where something crazy has to happen every second. Something has to happen every second of something or they're afraid people are going to turn away and go to their phones this movie was made for an audience that didn't have cell phones at the ready where they could just go on instagram the moment people stop talking this is a film that is supposed to be i'm living this kind of mundane life and this weird thing happens so i'm not i get more bored watching superhero movies like I'm more bored watching the end of all superhero movies where it's just porno, pornographic like CGI bullshit and the, I, I feel it's weird because like I didn't love this movie I just really enjoyed it and I and I feel the need to defend it weirdly I don't know why but that's my thing is like there are some things that I enjoy that are boring. and I think this part of the reason this this movie is good is because there are boring parts to it. like when when the older people are just talking, it's so real to life because I'm so often in situations with with groups of people that are talking and I have zero interest in what they're saying. So it felt like, <laughs> like true this podcast to life every week. No, not at all. no, you're very <laughs> stimulating to talk to. But, you know, it's, it's, I liked the fact that they were obnoxious to me. It worked for me.
0: No, I mean, but I don't think that exciting needs to be like shit blowing up, obviously. But I do think it's like engaging. And I do think that films have, like films and books should be engaging. And like, they can be engaging about just the mundane normalities of life, but like, you need to be engaging. And the thing is, it's like, and if you're going to have it be like a quiet, small film about, you know, a slice of life in Chicago in the nineties, like that's great. But then you need to have it feel rooted in reality. And to just, it just, honestly, it's like the script was like so amateur. And you could always tell that a script is not going to be good whenever you see more than, two people tops credited with the script and we got four people credited with the script in this and that's how you know it's bad news too many people um and yeah, I I I'm am don't like superhero movies either. Like, those aren't interesting to me. Like, my favorite movies are, like, Moonstruck and When Harry Met Sally. And those are both kind of slice-of-life movies where, like, it's just kind of people talking. But they feel really true in a way. And they're funny in a way. And it feels like things are happening, even though it's, like, very small, mundane things. But the story is continuously moving forward. And I think it's, like... That's that's fine with me. But I don't think that like I do think there there is a mandate for stories in sort of any form to be interesting or engaging.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was engaged by this film and I don't think you were. And I think that's just a, you know, a, a difference of opinion.
0: Right, right.
1: What were you, what were, what was your thoughts on Minnie Driver before you watched this? Were you a fan? Had you seen a lot of stuff she was in?
0: No, I'm a fa- like I'm a, I was a fan and I like remain a fan. Like obviously Goodwill Hunting and Circle of Friends, I think are the two things that I think of when I think of her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I never had much of a thought. I mean, she always was somebody who was in movies in the 90s, then kind of in early 2000s, and then n- never reached uh, a level as high as I think people's expectations for her were.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I never gave her really much thought. I thought she was good in this film. I think she's obviously gorgeous and looks amazing on camera. Duchovny leaves me a bit cold. He always has. I think he seems like a fun, interesting dude, but I never believe he's actually engaged with somebody other than I did think him and his dead wife had some chemistry. Oh, yeah. Like the way that they, they were, he was constantly searching for her in that party to just be with her was. Mm-hmm. I loved, and I think Minnie Driver's character didn't hold that focus the same way. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, uh, but uh, otherwise, Bonnie Hunt I did like. She does her thing. She does her Bonnie Hunt thing, which is very interesting. I don't know how many very young people listen to this podcast, but Bonnie Hunt was around a lot in oh, the yeah. late '90s and early 2000s. She was this weird she's gonna be this big thing and now when you look you can't imagine somebody like her being big in culture Mm -hmm. you know I mean maybe I don't know David Letterman famously loves Bonnie Hunt loved Bonnie Hunt produced a bunch of her shows really really had a heart on for her and because he's a midwestern guy she's a midwestern gal and she was always that person where i'd see her in a movie or she would had a new tv show and i'd say oh, good for her but i never <laughs> really felt any sort of need to consume what she created right so i i she's such an interesting person and she still works i mean she does a lot of acting now and i'm sure she's still writing but to uh, I don't think people realize how, what a big deal Bonnie Hunt was back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Would you recommend this film, then, to no. anybody who doesn't already love it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. I think if somebody was like, oh, I'm thinking of watching Return TV tonight, I'd be like, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, it's not offensively bad, but I, it's not, I don't know. I didn't like it. I wouldn't recommend it. Thumbs so you down. would say it's
1: bad.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's a bad movie.
1: <laughs> wow. This feels like it's—I I don't know—I wouldn't say it's bad. I—it's—it's—I I, guess it's interesting. We just had maybe we're in different headspaces too. That—that that also could be like. I know. I you were looking at this more as like structurally unsound as a movie, and I didn't mm-hmm. really mind that. So I don't know. Well, I guess. Well,
0: you would recommend it. You would say check out Return to Me.
1: I, the, I would have to have had a very long conversation with somebody before I would recommend it. Because I'd really need to know what, where they, if, if I just was having a conversation with somebody about rom-coms, like what, like, and I it either hadn't met them before, or knew them very slightly. I would not throw this out as, oh, you got to watch that. Mm -hmm. This would be a, I've talked to this person for months, and this movie comes up, and I know their taste enough as to whether I could recommend it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't something you just throw out to a stranger being like, oh, yeah, watch that, because then they'll think, (laughs) what is this crazy person telling me to watch this two-hour-long movie that really goes nowhere?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I liked it. I will say I will officially come out as a return to me, I I, I guess, uh, apologist. I'm an apologist. (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I'd say I'm an apologist.
0: All right. Well, there you go alright well guys if you want to let us know what you thought about Return to Me do you have a heart transplant movie that you would like to recommend because apparently we're doing them all um, <laughs> you could always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com um, we are on twitter at learning tropes on instagram at learning the tropes we have our facebook group the, facebook, uh, the learning the tropes troop which you can join um, and we have merch below so yeah guys Yeah. do you have any last words for us or
1: no last words you know something I don't
0: (laughs) no alright so we'll be back uh, next week with a mini-sode we'll be letting you know what we're reading for for next time so come check it out then but uh, in the meantime happy reading
1: happy reading